Welcome to Finding Emo, our podcast where we discuss our favorite albums from the early aughts and thereabouts. I'm Blake Fisher. I'm joined by Chris Monier, Kyle Simmons, and hey. we've got a new ask for 2022. We do. Uh, if you go to FindingEmoPod.com, it's still not really a full website. It's just kind of a splash page because we just don't have the energy. Um, but you can uh, you can sign up for an email list for us just in case we decide we need to like, I don't know, blast you guys out there. We're going to do some special event or something, or maybe we'll... I don't know, sell t-shirts or something. So anyway, uh, join our email list. Uh, we promise not to spam you or sell it to other people. We're just going to like, you know, communicate with you if you like the show. Uh, and also we'll put that in the show notes if you care about that and can find them. Uh, but then the other thing, the normal ask is, you know, subscribe and rate our podcast. Uh, a great reason to rate your podcast is if you, uh, as promised, if you didn't get COVID over Christmas, like everyone, uh, then your thank you is give us, you know, a review. That's what you should do, because it was us that protected you. We're um, probably going to get a lot of five stars. Yeah. No, we're probably that. not, because everyone got no, it. Nobody got COVID over Christmas. <laughs> everyone, everyone got COVID over Christmas. Uh, so first show of 2022, uh, we are doing the self-titled album from 2004 from Straylight Run. And Kyle is going to tell us about the things he learned about this album. Go, Kyle. I am. And and actually, first, uh, happy New Year, guys! Yeah, you too. Happy to, New Year to you and and everyone listening. Uh, so, the craziest thing to me about this record is we've done a lot of records so far that we just love and could talk forever about, but we can't find more than two sentences on. And I feel like there was, uh, in medical terms, a buttload of information on this album. That's scientific for sure. That's a, that's a scientific measurement. Yeah. Um, it's not metric, but it is scientific. Yeah. Yeah. And, Screw uh, metric, though. And <laughs> so, so, like, honestly, it's, I really like this album, but it's more than I care to <laughs> discuss. So I'll give you the highlights and we can talk a little bit. There's some, there's some drama, uh, which I know you guys like juicy drama. We do so, like drama. So, okay. This album. Uh, was recorded from March to June of 2004. It was released October 12th, 2004. It was released on Victory. Uh, and so what's crazy about that is the only reason it was v- released on Victory is because Sean and John had a contractual obligation to make records yep. for Victory. And, and since they had left Taking Back Sunday, they, left Taking Back they Sunday. weren't going to let them out the, of that contract. Nope, the yeah. only the only way they were going to make music was for victory. Um, and so uh, the claim is that basically John and John was writing during the Taking Back Sunday uh, time and a little bit before he he was writing some stuff that didn't didn't quite fit Taking Back Sunday which I find weird because like it's not super fresh on my memory but when we did the Taking Back Sunday episode it was like him and adam were like you know paul mccartney and john lennon they just <laughs> they just jived so well and wrote beautiful music together i'm like oh sure i promise you i promise you someone our age back then said that sure like as a as like a fan of taking back sunday we're like they are the lennon mccartney of our generation which is uh, hilarious to me i mean i really like taking back sunday dude, oh, <laughs> don't yeah. get me wrong taking but- back sunday is the first band that i met multiple people that they had lyrics tattooed on themselves. And I was yeah. like, what? Yeah. Taking back Sunday. Yeah. Anyway. I really like them. So 
So he's writing stuff. It doesn't quite fit in Taking Back Sunday. So the claim is that John had these extra songs that didn't fit Taking Back Sunday. And I'm also calling bullcrap on that because we can talk as we get into this. But like you change this mix up and some of these, plenty of these are Taking Back Sunday songs just fine. But whatever. Uh, John wrote these songs in all of his free time that he had, you know, uh, in Taking Back Sunday. Uh, Initially, him and Sean left and... I think we discussed this on the Taking Back Sunday episode, but he, they left initially because they were so tired from touring. And then it later came out that, no, Adam was dating uh, John's sister, who is also in Straylight Run. And he cheated on her while on tour, and John was pissed, and he left the band. And Such a bad move. And, and you yeah, and so like, come on. Not on his part, on the on Adam's part. I, like, I have oh, chosen. Yeah. Thanks for clearing that up, Blake. Yeah, just clearing that up. John in the right here, <laughs> defending I, his little sister. I have chosen to do this solely for memory because I feel like that's how gossip should be treated, not with the facts. Um, no, for sure. It, it, like, am I wrong that... Isn't that initially how the drama started? That that Michelle was dating Jesse from from Brand New. No, no, or no. Do we I think not it was, know that it was that's a, the girl? It was a different girl. I'm pretty. Do sure. we know that, or do are we assuming that? Um, Come on, Blake, for the drama. I feel like I know that for some reason because I thought when we did the Taking Back Sunday thing, we named her and posted her. <laughs> no, no, no. I don't know why. I never. <laughs> The reason I think that that's not the case is because I never even considered that until just now when you said it. And so I that's why I thought it wasn't. But okay. I could be wrong. I I don't know. We'll never know. I mean, that that would have to be somewhere. That's got it that she would be the girl that was the famous in between of the brand new and taking back surely, Sunday. Beef. Surely it's in a subreddit somewhere. Or well, and don't you think that like there's got to well, be a journalist somewhere that's listening right now that could be like, "Hey, I'm gonna go find the actors in this in this play." Oh no, no, no! Wait, 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 wait! I know why it's not. Is because wasn't the problem wasn't the brand new and Taking Back Sunday beef between John and Jesse, not yes. Adam and Jesse? No. So, wait, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah so it's yeah, definitely yeah. not Michelle because that's yeah, why right. I knew it was. It was yeah. John's girlfriend. It was John, and then Jesse. Adam. But you know yes. what? You know what? I'm glad you remembered that, Blake, because here's the deal. <laughs> There we are, are sources there of information are no, here. There Trusted. are no innocents in this story, right? John, well, maybe, I guess maybe John. No, I think John's the definitely the good guy in all yeah. of this. Yeah, I mean, he did say that he wished his friend would die in a car wreck, though. That's pretty effed yeah, up. Yeah, but don't you think this was like East Coast, West Coast rap battling kind of stuff? I mean, yeah, like it was, it was more performative than it really was. Okay, all right. Not, well, not like it was all based in truth. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm not they saying they were played it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Just like right. freaking East Coast West Coast hip hop was based on something, but I think when once people started actually getting shot, I think even the most hardcore of those guys were like, you know what, we might have taken this a little too far, <laughs> you know. And 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 obviously that escalated. I, that didn't ever escalate. <laughs> the emo scene never really escalated yeah. to that level where anyone actually got shot or anything. So I think they just well, shots it were out. fired. <laughs> well, not real shots, <laughs> emotional lyrical shots, which is hey, pretty pansy I, compared to Tupac actually getting murdered. Which, which I forgot to mention. I think the thing I enjoyed the most about the the uh, the research, the Wikipedia page research on this one, was the very first line of Straylight Run's Wikipedia says Straylight Run is an emo band. 
<laughs> that's what it says and is there Whatever. a source was there like a little source sure <laughs> for no, that no but like i was like all right well this it's official we can do this record we can do this um, record on the podcast thank you so, wikipedia okay so we'll get back to the to the beef because there is there is another chapter in that story so let's put a pin or a bookmark let's that's put fine. a bookmark in that. that we'll get but to, that to clear later. up Michelle, younger sister of John Nolan, is dating Adam and taking back Sunday. He cheats on her, breaks her heart. John, to defend his sister's honor, and probably for other reasons, because I doubt the basis left to defend Michelle's honor. Probably to defend women everywhere. Yeah, but they leave and they start straight out run with uh, a couple other people. Michelle, Will, I forget Will's last name. Will Moon, drummer. Yeah, that's right. And and he, okay, so another weird thing. We're crossing wires here, but another weird thing about Will is Will was the drummer for Breaking Pangea. And Fred uh, of Breaking Pangea is the lead singer and guitarist is who went and played in in place of John. Right. Oh, Fred Marchino. Yeah. 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 It's a real tangled web. It's convoluted, uh, dude. And on top of that, then... uh, well, I mean, we can talk about this later. Nate Russ is on this album, and yep. Will ends up being the drummer in Fun. Yep. Yeah. So th- which yeah, is like, why um, nobody else could get a record deal because there was like eight people in every band. Yeah. That just <laughs> all they the just drama and drummers. <laughs> yeah. We we're all trying to. Hey, can we just get one record deal over here? That yeah. somebody's. We're, we're not from Long Island. Oh no 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 guys. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so okay, so uh, a couple other things that I thought were interesting about this record are. Um, we'll, we'll get into this a track by track. I'm just going to say for myself, spoilers up front. I love this record. I do not love the way that it is mixed. Um, I, yeah, I, and, there's, there's production. I think victory is pretty cheap. There's some, there's some, there are we some questionable. Are, we know. Yeah. We, yeah. <laughs> I think we had, I think you guys have some insight on that. Um, but, but there are some production questions I have and and we'll get into that but in spite of all that I love this record but what I thought was hilarious is some of the some of the most uh crapping on production that we've ever done is was on the uh, Coheed and Cambria record yeah and those are the producers that produced this record <laughs> no freaking and, way and they claimed that they were impressed by Coheed and Cambria's record now in okay in fairness to them it's 2004 so like we're at the dawn of things sounding really really good but they know what a good sounding record sounds like and it was not the Coheed and Cambria record what and, year did that one come out 2003 the year before i think so i mean Dude, this is better not. than that for sure. This is better. And it probably had a higher production value. I mean, as far as like budget, but gosh, yeah. I mean, so I mean, they they certainly are getting better at but, being producers. But, at this but point. even so, to listen to that record and go, wow, in that time to listen to that record and go, you know what? Those are the guys. Uh, that is just that is just mind blowing to me. And and what's even kind of funnier to me is it talks about how um, like Nate. And some other bands brought them out before they put this record out, brought them out on tour. And like they had, they basically had demo-itis, you know, they'd played these songs. And so when they went in to record, they said that they really didn't need them to produce because they liked the way that the songs were. We've talked in the past about how important producers are. Like, yeah, you're not going to convince any of the three of us that that's a good idea. And so 
and, and also again, this is a great record in spite of that. Um, but like it does, I did find myself wondering while listening to it, like, what would this have been like if, you know? And so <clears throat> anyway, um, dude, the, the record goes on to sell 250,000 copies, which is I, not bad. I, dude, I, no, I never, I bad. had no I idea that this was, that was yeah. no, I had no idea. You know, I think I was pretty surprised when we, um, I, I, I too, spoiler alert, really like this record. And when we started, when we, Kyle chose it and I was like, Oh, that's a great one. And I had, um, you know, I had not listened to this record in a while. And then when we did the taking back Sunday episode, I kind of got back into listening to them and I was like, gosh, I forgot how good this record was. Uh, but this, I guess I didn't notice last time. I mean, this has like, I think, um, uh, whatever the track three is with the prom night, uh, existentialism. It has like 10 million streams on Spotify, which obviously it is a great song. Everything (laughs) post, you know, and, and, and most of the other tracks have about a million plays, but I'm like, okay, so that's like people are getting Spotify 10 years removed from this album coming out. So that's not really completely indicative of, I think they were more popular than I thought they were. I think you're right. But, and, and also just, I just want to (laughs) keep, I want to have a clear voice on this podcast about one thing that that song is, is the exception when it comes to mix and production. That well, song I think is, they knew, I think they knew what the singles were and they spent more yeah. time and effort on the, I mean, you know, when you've got a budget on a small record on an indie, I mean, victory is not a, they've got taking back Sunday. You think they had 20,000 for this record? If that, uh, 15, I think they probably had a decent budget because John had was in Taking mm. Back Sunday before, yeah. and so there was a hype around it that you wouldn't get with anyone else's debut album on an indie label like Victory but, or Vagrant but or Victory, any of those. Man, like p- right. bands probably today 20. I think are still complaining about Victory. Like new bands are signing to Victory and complaining about it. What? Okay, so if you're locked into a contract as a as a person, uh, you know, like John was. Yeah. Did you get to renegotiate with the label? I mean, isn't a lot of no. times in those deals? Yeah, I was gonna say. No, I was gonna say. I bet he. They I offered, bet he didn't. They tell you what they're gonna give you for the first, second, and third record, right? Right. Uh, not. I don't know not if always. they always do on a on an indie like that. I mean, like, I think you're lucky if you get any kind of deal. Now, oh, you probably okay. do get to negotiate that kind of stuff, like record budgets and stuff. But I don't know. That's it's a weird thing when that happens because that's what. That's why, like, Travis Barker could do whatever he wanted for a long time. He was not a signed... He did not have a signed contract as a member of Blink-22 for, like, three or four albums. Hmm. By his own, probably, desire. Because he could then go do whatever he wanted to. Didn't have to ask, didn't have to talk to anybody. Generally they would let drummers do that anyway. They're they're They very rarely say no. That's why you always see like this person appears courtesy of this label on when they like do guest vocals on a record or something. Cause the labels almost never say, no, you can't go do that because it generally is not bad for that person's career or something. But in this situation, victory was not going to let a sort of golden goose of sorts, you know, half of the Lennon McCartney of our generation. Of our generation. <laughs> <laughs> uh, look, I love John Nolan, but like, I think he would laugh at that too. I'm sure. Oh, um, right, definitely. You know, but um, well, yeah, Victory's not going to let let them go. Uh, it's interesting that everyone, but that's another big difference too. A lot of major labels won't sign the whole band; they just sign the primary creative people, yep. so they don't have to deal with this crap if the bassist leaves. Um, uh, any labels don't; they generally signed everyone. Um, 
because you might as well lock everyone into that deal so that well, if anyone well, leaves and, and they start another band, you've got first. Generally, what it's probably going to be is like a first refusal kind of thing. If you leave the band and you start another band, the that label gets the chance to put it out first because they're under contract. Or if they yep. decide they don't like it, they'll let you out of it. And and Sometimes. we we clearly see that that's the case here, being that uh, Sean was was held to that as well, right? The bassist. Right. Yeah. So according to your research, your yeah. deep deep research into deep Wikipedia. dive interviews, um, backstories, cousins, yeah. friends. It is interesting though because I really can't think of another situation that happened just like this where basically a band breaks out um, with a debut, they immediately have a falling out, and then some of those people now i mean it happened with a couple of those what was the other band that was like that was it at the drive-in and oh uh mars volta mars volta and sparta i can't remember who was who and which ones broke off from what so i mean it did happen a couple times but um you know it's an interesting situation for sure because you end up with these kind of (laughs) split fan bases of these bands that are kind of similar but i appreciate that like they didn't try to be another version of taking back sunday Sure. That was the first thing that kind of attracted me to it. Um, well, especially I guess, from someone with such a distinct voice, right? Like, it, mm-hmm. I mean, it's yeah, he's not hiding who he is, but no. I'm into it. Okay. Well, let's talk first impressions then. If you're good on the research side and you can keep, you can keep throwing little tidbits of knowledge at us if you want to Kyle. Well, we'll come the back with the of drama. Okay. Chapter sounds good. Three later. Chris, uh, what are your, what were your first thoughts on it? First impressions, uh, back in the day in 2004. Oh uh, yeah, it was definitely, I, well, I, I think I knew right away when uh, there was going to be John's sister in the band that it was going to be a little different, but it definitely was really interesting. Uh, I wouldn't consider Taking Back Sunday a pop band. Um, they had pop sensibilities, nope. but this is this is like more like a pop record. Um, it seemed to uh, really show that you know the songwriting chops were there regardless of, of genre, and um, it really surprised me. I don't want to say it, like knocked me off my feet, but it, I was like, Oh, this is really good. And, and not, I, a lot of victory records. Um, you know, you, you got the, the four songs and then, you know, just trails off. And then when I saw it was 11 songs, I, I think I remember thinking like, oh, okay, I don't know if you guys can do this for, but it, you know, it had some staying power. It, 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 it's, it's pretty good song for song. So I, I, I would say I was pleasantly surprised and, and enjoyed listening to it a lot. It was definitely the poppiest thing on Victory. So, oh yeah, I mean, yeah. so yeah, I I, I agree. It, it it I think that helped it stand out a little mm-hmm. bit because they kind of had an, a a lane they could go in that um wasn't being filled by another band on Victory. So I mean, I think it gave them a little bit more of a of a runway um in that regard, but uh. I, I I don't think that Victory would have signed this band though if the guys in the band weren't already signed. Does that totally. make sense? Oh, like, this I doesn't fit. Not, not not happening. Yep, yeah. I'm with you on that one. Uh, Kyle, what about you? First impressions. So I I remember liking it instantly. Um, I I will say I've already said it again. The I I remember I didn't. I didn't remember it sounding like it does to me now. Then like, I was like, this is great. Everything about it is great. Um, but also I, I agree with you guys. It's a pop band. Like, uh, I think the only thing emo about them is are their lyrics, mm-hmm. you know, but like yeah. the, the songs are not, I don't think the style is at all emo. And, and 
it may even be, it's not like I have Victory's catalog memorized, but it may be the poppiest thing they've ever put out. So I don't know. Like uh, we could probably look into that, but I, I'd say you, you're probably right. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, dude, I mean, I, I, there are some killer songs on this record and uh and i liked them right away so yeah I, you know it's weird i do not remember i remember the drama stuff them leaving uh john was kind of one of my favorite parts of taking back sunday i just i felt like i felt like he was the thing i liked about it i couldn't prove it but it, i sort of was vindicated by that by then not really liking them without John as much. <laughs> um, and I don't think it was like a, lo- it wasn't like loyalty or something like that. It's not like I was caught up in the like, well, I'm team I think John. it was Blake. We're going to get was, into that. Maybe it was, maybe it was. Um, but, but it really was kind of like the guy that came in, whatever his name is, uh, to replace John and take him back Sunday. His vocals just did not do it for me the way John's did. It's just like, I really liked, um, I just really like John's voice a lot. It's not like a perfect voice. I just think it's really, he has a lot of emotion, like, mm-hmm. and he always gets the emotional take. It's not the perfect take maybe, but it's like, Oh, yep, that's it. I mean, you, you sang those words in the perfect way. So I think he's really good at that. And so I remember liking it, but I really don't remember like, I mean, I'm sure I got it like the week it came out. Cause like everyone knew this new about this new band that they were doing. I think they had released a couple songs, yeah. um, if memory serves, uh, before you know that summer or something like that. Um, yeah, and I really like it. I'm into this kind of stuff. I mean, I think that it's obvious if you've listened to me talk for more than five minutes about music that I'm into poppy stuff, and I especially like uh, piano-driven uh, kind of rock, pop, indie stuff. And uh, this fit right in there. And plus, I may have had like a pretty serious crush on Michelle. Like, you know she's pretty cute and uh and i like the brother sister thing that's a fun i think anytime siblings are in a band together it's fun so yeah i was into it too and i think that i i kind of went from loving taking back sunday to okay now i love straight light run because i feel like john was the thing that i really and it's not like i i don't like taking back sunday but i really didn't i wasn't like into them after that record that first record something's missing for something's sure. missing mm-hmm. and um uh, and that's probably unfair of me for sure, but that that would be my first impression. I liked it. So, um, shall we um, talk about uh, track by track? Let's do, do it. it. Uh, okay, let's see. Uh, let's go to track one, which is uh, the perfect ending, ironically titled. And if it's over, just Chris, let's go to you first. Thoughts on the first track entitled A Perfect Ending? I don't know. Kind of a bold way to start off the record when you just got quit Taking Back Sunday, right? No drums. A, it's a ballad. Uh, layers of, you know, synths. Glockenspiel. Yeah. Um, but that familiar... I What? There is this interesting rhyming scheme that he does. Um, I wrote down over and told you, like how a rhyme... Yep. 
I don't know. I, I don't know what you call it, but you, you you rhyme like the end of a sentence with the middle of a sentence, and then carry that sentence into the next. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. It, it it's very uh, very him, um, and all the layers that bring the chorus up. It's hard in a ballad to um, to do that if you're not going to have um, a rhythm section to make the chorus sound bigger. He he did it really well. Yeah, Kyle, thoughts? I mean, I agree. It's it was a it was a bold beginning to the record and, and, uh, it worked for me. I, I enjoy it. It builds really well. Yeah. I like that. Um, that first of all, the, I mean, not first of all, cause I guess last of all, the very last note that the Glockenspiel hits like very quietly mm. at the end is like perfect. <laughs> also, it's the, really great. Is that guitar like, like sliding at all? Like kind of the, whale I think it's sound? An, I think it's an Ebo. Okay. I'm not totally what, it's sure. It's not a whale. It's not an orca. Sounds like an Ebo. <laughs> That's they killed the whole budget. That's why the production's bad. They brought Shamu in for uh, yeah. uh, but I agree. It's like a bold, like, hey, we are something different. Um I'm sure that was purposeful. I mean, Absolutely. It makes sense to me uh that it'd be purposeful. Um I like it. It's a good first track. It's not at all, I mean, <laughs> what you'd expect from a band at around this time, especially a band on Victory Records, especially from you know a couple of the guys from taking back Sunday. Cause that album was just all rock basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so it's, it's definitely an interesting take and, um, and a fun way. I think you got, you can go two ways with the start of the record. You can either like freaking punch them in the mouth or you can slow burn it. And this is definitely in that kind of slow burn clarity style table for glasses. We're going to build you into the second track. Um, and, uh, I like it. So, but it's still very much John. You're right. The lyric, I, I, he does have a style, um, to those lyrics and stuff. So, okay, let's go I, to track. Oh, oh go I, ahead. You I, I was going to say, with, well, with his lyrics, one of the things that I think is funny about this song, uh, if you made it, just be glad that you didn't stay there. It goes on <laughs> further in the chorus. Um, and if it's over, remember what I told you, it was bound to happen. So like, if you made it great, I'm, I'm happy for you. If you didn't just remember that I told you that you probably wouldn't. <laughs> yeah. He does. He does a bit of that on it. The, there's some of that in like mistakes when you were making too, where it's kind of like, wait, you're kind of taking both sides. Yeah. Of, yeah. Of this so you can, Brilliant. You can be right no matter what. Uh, there is maybe a little bit of that. Okay. Uh, let's go to track two, which is uh, the tension and the terror. Simmons, let's go to you first. What are your thoughts on Tensions and the Terror? Okay, so I'm going to say, I think that this song kicks butt, but I'm also going to say that the simple first song kind of kept us from poor mixing, I think. And hearing this, like, I swear, what I feel like when I listen to this record, and I know you guys know this feeling, Blake, like if you were rocking out and like something happened to your amp and your guitar just wasn't producing the way that it should be. <laughs> like, I feel like that's what's going on here. Like that freaking snare is just, 
Yeah, the and, drums are and, really the thing. And, You're and, right. It's and, not quite working. It, and and the guitar is just like the the freaking lead part is so much louder than than the other part. It, it's just it's it's the mix is weird. And also, uh, it's still an awesome song. Yeah, I was. I just would regret not mentioning. Like I I listened to this thing quite a bit, and I was just like, man, what the heck? And knowing that it's those freaking Coheed and Cambria Yahoos. It, it just makes so much sense. They've gotten a lot better in this year, though. I mean, honestly, this is still way better. Leaps and bounds. Now, the budget might be two or three times as much, too. That's true. All right, Chris, what are your thoughts on uh, the tension and the terror? I guess it's because I'm a drummer. I, I, I guess I kind of like the way the drums sound. <laughs> I really like the snare sound, but now that you now you pointed out, maybe the reason I was able to really hone in on the great snare sound is because it's way too freaking loud. I just think it's too compressed. It, it, it's oh, not so much it the mist. Yeah. That's what it feels like to me. It just sounds yeah. like oh, it, okay. you sound like they're hitting a table almost. Yeah, it's like it totally. doesn't have enough like snare definition in well, my opinion. And he's, but playing, he's playing where you want you want that hit, right? But yeah. the way he's playing the, but like, Oh, like the rim shot. Kind of, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. just like, doesn't do it for me. So, well, and I think the other weird thing about the snare specific, specifically from like a, um, like in the mix of what's going on is that oddly enough, like there's less competing sonic stuff. Cause it's not as guitar driven. Cause it is more yeah. piano driven. I mean, this song is more guitar driven, uh, but as far as the record in general, and so it's like, you know, you have more space with piano to like have a big fat snare in there, but it just feels, I don't know. That, that is the thing that bothers me the most about this record is the snare sound, but it's funny that you <laughs> like it. And it's, and this, by the way, the production, I'm dogging a little bit on this production, but it, as far as badly produced albums from this era and by badly, I mean like stuff we're, we're kind of crapping on on this podcast. Yeah. It is way better than some of the other ones that we've talked about. Totally. I mean, it's like, you know, Panic at the Disco and Coheed and Cambria and even taking back Sunday's first record are oh, all yeah. like quite a bit worse than this one. That Those has like awful kind of almost strings. they have like errors almost in them. Yeah, you know, like it's almost like they were. Which happens when you're pressed for time because you're you don't have the budget. Right. Is you kind of like you can't go back and like do that a hundred times or um, get the take you want. You know, and I don't mind imperfections in playing. I actually really like imperfections in playing because I think that's how people really play. And I think it makes, I think that's what makes this album work is that it, it sounds like a, a, a band, uh, and it's not perfect. Uh, I don't, I don't like perfect stuff. It, it, it drives me crazy, but like the snare sound could be better and still not be perfectly quantized or whatever. Yeah. Like, that's not what I'm asking for. I don't, I don't want a super, I do like really polished records sometimes, I, I can appreciate them, but I don't like overproduction in the sense that it kills the emotion and this still has that emotion. So yeah. that makes it okay for me, if that makes sense. But it's a great song. It's a, it's a really good second song too, after what, you know, we went through with the first track just being really chill. Yeah, it brings it up a ramping notch. up. Mm-hmm. This brings it up to a nice, uh, nice notch, but I can see how if you wrote this song, like l- let's go back to the discussion about like, did he really have these songs like ready to go? I believe I do believe that a little bit, Kyle, because like I can hear how this is almost a Taking Back Sunday song, but not an, like but enough that the rest of the guys in the band would be like, I don't know. It feels like that would be this would be a really poppy song for Taking Back Sunday. Yeah, well, he, he could have had like starters or little memos or like the bones yeah. of these songs and kind of formed them with this new new band. Right. 
Well, and I was I was that guy in the band too. I I write songs that never fit in Chris and I's band, and so that's why I had that like solo side project stuff. Is like, well, I'm writing these songs; they do not fit in our band at all. Like, you know, and it wasn't just because Chris is like being an a hole and not letting me write songs for the band. It was like they just didn't fit. They really didn't. Um, so I can see how John could have been that too, right? You know, and plus the fact that they churned this out pretty quickly. Uh, post them leaving Taking Back Sunday uh, makes me think that some of the songs were at least ready because especially when you then look at the next Straylight Run record which mm. is just not as mm. good um, yeah. makes me think that you that sophomore slump of writing specifically might have been a real thing but I don't know uh, shall we go to track three or do you guys have any more uh, thoughts on, uh, on that one okay uh, existentialism gosh that's hard to say uh, on prom night here we go Let's go to you first because you were air singing uh, along. Uh, what are your thoughts on this track? Such a good clip, man. I tried, man. I love this song. It's so good. Oh, it is so good. This was one of my mixtape go tos for sure. Um, a really beautiful, melancholy, sad sounding song. They, I, they, they had to know when they were mixing this and like putting the finishing touches on it. It was a spectacular song. It's just, it's perfect. Great layers um the snare rolls on the verse uh the acoustic guitar and the bass just kind of light touches I, I know the production's not perfect but um and the background vocals they're the way their voices uh, blend together marvelous love i'm song. so glad you brought up that i forgot to write down that note but the, i do love 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 the drum part on the verses it's right? so cool yeah um and i really feel like the rhythm section i did not appreciate as much back then as i did now listening to it again Ooh. i'm like gosh man that, like he's a really good bass player sean and will's a good drummer Ooh. too yeah and uh and they really do um uh i don't feel like he i don't remember feeling like oh the bass lines on the taking back sunday record were awesome but it was a little more straightforwardy rock yeah and i feel like gosh you really got to like kind of um do some cool stuff on this record and yeah the verses on the drum the rhythm section is cool on, on this song uh yeah i think you're right they had to know i think that kind of brings up your point uh, on the productions uh, who, which one of you said that a second ago that like they clearly spent some more time on this one yeah than maybe some of the other tracks um i totally agree but i think it's because they knew it was gonna be really good and gonna launch them so kyle what are your thoughts on the track uh i mean freaking awesome song the rhythm section is insane and i think that uh i mean i think there are several other songs that he he's just going crazy on the bass on this album i completely agree i don't remember listening to that taking back sunday record and being like man he's killing that bass but he's doing it on this record he's real good yeah (laughs) yeah and um and the freaking blood harmony between John and his sister on this one. Blood harmony. Just... Blood harmony is exactly what that should be called. Gosh. It is what it's called. That's what it's called? Yeah, that's the actual, that's that's what it's called. Oasis. I never... 
Yeah. I can't believe I didn't know that was a Other thing. Other bands with siblings. I yeah. love, I think it's always better when people that are related are harmonizing with yep. each other. That's because called it, Blood they Harmony. Already, okay, we'll see. Is there I did any not know ba- that. Is there a sibling band that uh, called themselves Blood Harmony? It seems like a... No, but they should. <laughs> yeah. Hanson should have changed their name. <laughs> <laughs> we are blood harmony. Blood harmony. But I mean, really though, I mean that's a good example though. Hanson, uh, Stone Temple Pilots had guys that didn't do a ton of background vocals, but did some of the stuff. Good together. Charlotte. Uh, and you know what? <laughs> okay, it's really funny that you bring up Good Charlotte today. I'm scrolling through Instagram mindlessly on a break, and I did not know that uh, one of those guys is married to Cameron Diaz. Oh, Dude, yeah. she like quit acting for him. Yeah. I had no, no idea. She loves him. It's she, awesome. She does for him. love him. And yeah. it was like in my discovery feed or something, it was like happy anniversary. It was like, is that the guy from Good Charlotte? One of the two. I don't know. I can't remember which one it is. I think it's Benji. Yeah, it um, is. I man, he won like he freaking won the love lottery, and that dude is probably just walking on pins and needles because like his luck has got to be up. <laughs> It's really funny that you brought he's that gonna, up because that was get a I did not know that. Him. Well, I, it's about uh, time. <laughs> had a good they, run. They've been married for like seven years. Yeah. I had no idea. Two. Okay. Like, anyway, total side tangent. Anyway, the point is, siblings and bands, I agree, have great things and especially great harmonies and yet boy girl harmonies. Kind of, I feel like even elevates it just a notch above. Yeah. And outside of Blood Harmony, the only way you can get that good at singing with each other is to be in a band for like 40 years like The Edge yep. and Bono, yep. where The Edge, I, he sounds just like Bono now. I can't, I can't even tell the difference. Uh, but that's, yeah, it's a, I, I can't believe I didn't know the term Blood Harmony until yeah. just now. I am yeah. learning things from you, Kyle. Hey, cool. Well, uh, there's probably not more where that came from. <laughs> that's but, it. Uh, that's all you've got. Doesn't Benji have an MXPX tattoo? Yeah, totally. So, oh, you oh, his logically... Wikipedia, his Wikipedia page has some very interesting facts about his tattoos that I am could... not going to repeat on this podcast. You could discern that maybe Cameron Diaz has listened to MX, oh, MX, what? MXPX song. Mike Herrera or has song. probably hung oh. out with them. That's How crazy. weird is that? Oh, that's so, my mind. Let's do a whole podcast on that yeah. later. This will be. Gr- well, you'll have to. Yeah. Uh, and, elementary school Blake that saw the mask would would be. Uh, Pretty jealous, uh, yeah. Of Benji. Well, and uh, so like, and last thing about Good Charlotte. <laughs> yeah, okay. But, <laughs> this is not about Good Charlotte. In, in in fairness to Good Charlotte, as much as like as much as we will do a Good Charlotte record, and we have alluded to it, maybe not holding up or whatever. Uh, I do think that their harmony as, as brothers is definitely one of their best features. So, completely agree. That's fair. Um, anyway, yeah. So the blood harmony on this song, excellent. And I freaking love how, how just like heavy it is at the end when they go back into the chorus. It's just like, this is not a heavy song, but it is freaking just, it rocks, you know? Um, great song. And how good is the line, uh, sing like you think no one's listening. Oh, that's uh, just a really good line. Well, I also love the line about, you know, we were sleeping in and we were dreaming, you know, like, uh, like it just, and it sounds so nice the way that he sings it, the, you can visualize it. Also, uh, I think now is as good a time as any for me to say that this whole record is almost a sacred heart song. Like oh, almost yeah. any of these songs could fit 
on an episode of Scrubs. And honestly, we we never look beforehand. Wouldn't surprise me at all if this song was on Scrubs. This definitely you kind of you didn't exactly say the exact phrase, Chris, but yeah, I think we have to steal Kyle's mixtape must for this one though. I mean, it's a great, yeah, Mm -hmm. it's a great song for a mixtape. Um, and it's kind of hopeful and I just, it's really good. And you can totally hear, I mean, like the L like, okay, him doing the sing, like you think no one's listening. And then you would kill for this just a little bit, just a little bit. That is such a thing that he was adding that flavor to taking back Sunday. Like Uh it's almost like he's saying both, Adam's part and his part yep. in this one chorus. Um, yeah. And and I just feel like that flavor, like I was like, that's what I was missing on the next Taking Back Sunday record. And I'm, it's not, it's not as bad as I panned it when it came out. It came out the same year as this, right? The second Taking Back Sunday record. I think so. Uh, and, but I was missing this, like that, the You're way missing he phrased, what John brought to the table. Yes, the way he phrases stuff, the way he like does a, kind of a long drawn out um, thing, and then like a more faster paced, more lyrics kind of jammed into a little phrase on top of that. I just really like, but I like it better with him and Michelle than I did honestly with Taking Back Sunday with him and Adam. Okay. And that's just preference, but I just yeah. I I think it stands out a little bit more uh, when it's a guy and a girl. Um, Maybe that's not fair. Okay, let's go to track four. Another word for desperate. Uh, what are your thoughts on another word for desperate? I uh, really like this one too. And and I feel like the last song is so good. It had to have been hard to follow it up. So good, good on them because this is a, this is a pretty rocking song too. I love how hard the drums are playing on that clip that you just played right there. Like it's kind of a, it's kind of like a slow song, but he's just beating the crap out of his drums. Uh, yeah, but they're too compressed again. Yeah. They are but that's compressed. not his fault. Yep. Um, it, it, but, uh, and then, and then their, their harmonies are, are wonderful and, and John's got some great lyrics on this one. So, Business yeah, I like, as usual. I tend to like the verses better on this one than the chorus, but yeah. mm-hmm. I still like it. Chris, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I like the verses better for sure. Um, it, but yeah, it is a great one, two, three, four punch. Uh, I, I was thinking, um, start the show off the, with these four just right in a row. But then I was like, oh, no, you can't play prom night like right away. And everybody's going to be like, oh, so I don't know. But it would be it would be good. Um, it, okay, so after the they will, they will, they will part where it trails off. Mm-hmm. I, I tried really hard to count with a metrodome. It feels like they go, they speed, change the tempo. They do. Yeah, they do. Yeah. Okay. Okay. On purpose. Yeah. I was like, am I going crazy? Like, it, it, yeah, no, no, it sounds, it sounds okay. I just, uh, it's just not something you do very often. Yeah. Cause it's not, it, it's almost like a subtle change to the tempo, but um, definitely. No, it definitely um, bumps up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, shall we go to track five? Do we have anything else on another word for desperate? No, it's good. What is another word for desperate? Mm. Does anyone have one? Mm. 
Not we without can... typing it into the, my computer yeah. right not now. Into, yeah, not thesaurus.com. Thesaurus. Okay, we'll pull that up. Okay, let's go to uh, track five then, Mistakes We Knew We Were Making. fade out on that one we just went right to the end of the song uh chris what are your thoughts on it this song is freaking magic i love it i love it i love it i love it i uh just the the that clip you played was great the the um the choir of michelle's it sounds like magic um it's a great song um and a pop song man just a pop 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 song um which incredible when you think he's the guitar player from take back sundays the dude's got range what can i say love this tune kyle thoughts uh, I mean, I agree. Wonderful song, but I, 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 I'm sitting here thinking. I'm, I'm thinking this live and out loud. I think what he does is, like, <laughs> the bridges that he writes could be taking back Sunday bridges, and everything else is different. He's really good at bridges. Yeah, because like, and maybe that is some another element that he brought to Taking Back Sunday, and that's why I'm calling them Taking Back Sunday bridges. But like the second song on this record, this song for sure, like that that freaking bridge just rocks, and the chorus is great, but it's almost nothing like that bridge. It's just such a nice surprise. So um, yeah. Great, great song, and 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 I and like my birthday buddy, I like hearing uh, Michelle's voice. So, good one. Yeah, I mean that at, she's cute. She's yeah. got curly brown hair, which I mean we all know is my thing. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and then she sings, and you're like, oh my gosh, she's actually she's a talented musician. She sings well. I like her voice, especially with her brother. They sound great together. I definitely yeah. had a major crush on her in 2004, without a doubt. Um, yeah, I really like this track. I mean, it's just, it's really good. The bridge, as I mentioned, it's just really good. And the dueling vocal again is like, I, I like that element of the two different parts on top of each other. And like I said, I almost like it more when it's a guy and a girl, uh, Mm -hmm. as opposed to it was, I love it on taking back Sunday too. I'm not like, I really liked that element. I think that's actually what made taking back Sunday unique uh compared to a lot of other bands there were a lot of people doing the like one guy screaming in the background while someone else is singing but like that was not what taking back sunday was doing it was a dueling vocal kind of thing but you could get the two people confused like who was singing because there's two guys you you don't do that with a guy and a girl you like it separates the parts a little bit more it makes it where you can have more complicated vocal parts on top of each other john's stuff on that first taking back sunday record was sometimes getting like so obscured you had to read the lyrics to know what he was saying um, and that's not happening here. So like, I'll at least give the production value that, that like, I can understand what everyone's saying. Uh, like the vocals, they did the right thing with for the most part on this. I have problems with some of the other stuff, but, um, and I like, um, I do think John's voice almost benefits from a, 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 le- a lower production budget because 
he gets that take that has the emotion in it without like trying to perfect it to death. And oh, I like it. That that was another thing I was going to say is it's crazy because you mentioned on the last episode, the dashboard episode, uh-huh. how, how much you enjoy when a dude just like goes for it. He does that all the time and he's time. mastered it. So, yeah. And I like it. I like it's so much more interesting than someone that just sounds yeah. perfect. I mean, I don't get me wrong. I like a, uh, I love a really, really talented vocalist. This is ridiculous. We are clearly dads by this next reference. I'm going to say uh, we were texting about the movie Sing Two uh, because <laughs> yeah. we have children, and Chris and I both saw it last week. Um, and there's a song in it by the Struts that sounds like a song Kyle could have written. Uh, I but still need to listen to it. Yeah, you need to. It was, I, like immediately in the theater, I was just like, "This sounds like a Kyle song." Oh. Uh, but uh, so Tori Kelly is in that, and like, and she's like phenomenal and flawless and i i do appreciate listening to someone that's that good mm. at what they do um but she probably can't craft uh, i don't know a lyric or a phrase quite as well as john can so i don't know i like i like both things um but very rarely is someone like that good and that perfect i almost i kind of like the character that uh that john's voice has um totally and uh that's why it, he's, he's one of my faves um let's go to dignity and money Kyle, I think I'm going to go to you first because I I think you're going to mention that this has drama. Does it? Is this the song that you thought might have some connected it's drama? Not, this is not it. Okay, this sounds like it's about to- totally. being pissed about being stuck on victory, right? <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Most definitely. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, okay. In, in fairness to you, Blake, this song probably is about that. This, this, I, the drama I'm referring to is chapter three of the same drama between Taking Back Sunday, Brand New, and now they will have, they will take part. But okay, well, more no, to this come, song, then, but this feels like it's about victory. Well, I mean, totally. And, and, uh, and I, f- dude, so great song. I love them singing together at that, at that, pre i mean pre-chorusy i I don't know front front half of the chorus yeah i'm not quite sure but when he's again when he's going off at the end the i'm not low and i'm not low him just screaming and going for it is freaking awesome uh he's got such a cool voice you you have mentioned this before i don't know if you've mentioned it tonight or on this episode but like because you know we do this at nighttime. Um, but like when you, when you go for it like that, when you're screaming like that, you can't just do that over and over again in the studio. And that's another thing that I think gives it that authentic feel. And like, there's that character because you, you can't perfect what he's doing, even though like it's perfect and I love it. You just can't, a guy can't sing like that over and over again. Although I mean, he was touring, doing it all the yeah, time. I mean, I guess Sunday, so fair. maybe he, maybe he can't. I mean, Okay, I doubt I can't I doubt, do that over and over. Yeah, again. no, no, for sure. I think there, 
it's always it's boggled my mind that people that like seeing with that level of kind of grit and like Steven Tyler from Aerosmith. It's like, how's that? I mean, you have to have some sort of vocal training to be able to like do that night after night and not lose your voice every night. And so I don't know if John did any of that, but uh, yeah, it's got a great character to it. Love it. Um, Chris, what are your thoughts on dignity and money? I definitely picked up on the on the record label thing as well um that's but, what it feels like to me yeah. i'm looking at the lyrics and there's nothing that's just like so obviously that that's what it's about but that's what it feels like it's about to me is just and we've got so many good songs on these records that we talk about that are clearly jabs right. at labels that are making well, them mad which is it might be a great move for labels it's good drama you yeah. know he he took he took this as an option he didn't he didn't let them go somewhere else so you know they could be pissed about it yeah. right um also just need to point out the um the what a, uh, guitar player blake help me what is that the last quarter of the chorus it's like where you do the, like is that a minor like where you put oh, your gosh, pinky I on the e string know. and it's like no that's not a that's What's it's it some sort of ninth or seventh or something like uh, that or cool. sus i don't know i didn't cool. pay enough attention to the chords but well i love it when oh i love it when elvis costello did it i love it when mxpx did it and i like it that straight light run does it it's a cool way to end a chorus um uh, and love that classic uh, classic scream at the end of the song. Yeah, I think the pre-chorus is maybe better than... I, I really like this song, but the pre-chorus is so good. The whole, you can get convinced that we can get convinced. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and with her singing, I love the way she sings that line. Um, it's a really good pre-chorus. Pre-choruses are underrated. and, uh, and I not, like by, not by these three dudes. No, 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 no. We're all uh, about the pre-chorus and the bridges. Bring it on. Chorus John is likes it. Jump. No, it's a good chorus, too. I just, uh, it's a great pre-chorus, for sure. Um, Okay, let's go to your name here. Parentheses, Sunrise Highway. For you to, well, maybe that's true. Or maybe it's not at all. Go east on sun. First off, has anyone Google Maps this to figure out if they can find that house? Did you do it, Chris? I couldn't find the house, but I found the highway. Um, okay. Kyle, did you? Or... Well, I, <laughs> I have something to say. Okay, okay tell us. Please. Tell us, Kyle. This is chapter three. Okay. This is uh... John. That is how you get to John's house. <laughs> and this is John telling Jesse, just come over. I miss you. Like, he's Aww. done having beef. He wants it to be over. He said he it, it his statement was this was about I miss my best friend. Just come over. Well, that's kind of, so sweet. How warm is your heart right now, guys? I never I mean this is again me not picking up on lyrics and stuff like that. I never I mean, would clearly give directions. That. Well, I know he's <laughs> giving directions to a house. I I never thought it was about Jesse from Brand yeah. New though. Yeah, come on over. It's a trap. Well, All Jones' friends well, are here. They kick his butt. You're well, gonna like, beat him up. No, so like because they were best friends, he like he would know, right? Like that would that would only mean something to him. Yeah. Um and also I think it's cool when you know that to go through and see the the second verse in particular. Your name in lights, it was only a matter of time. Your name in parentheses, no, you can't see, because after this mess, I guess you bet that I'd collapse before you do. Like, he's 
he, I mean, it's he's he's like saying, you know, nice things about his friend. Uh, well, kind of nice things, but this is nicer why I than just... getting a car wreck. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, and die. <laughs> yeah, that's this <that's> definitely. <laughs> I think that he had more to apologize for <laughs> potentially oh, lyric wise yeah. <laughs> than Jesse did. Because uh, really, Jesse just stole one of his lyrics, right? I mean, that's yeah. essentially what the. Oh uh, yeah. Well, I mean, gosh, that's. I like part three. I like that it wraps up in a nice. Uh, we have closure. We have closure. I didn't even know we had closure. Yeah. Man. Oh, so okay. So because okay, chapter three closure. That's all really nice. Uh, I really like the song, and I like how simple it is. It it it's just super straightforward. Uh. It's it's a nice piano driven pop song. It's it's good. Um, I like it. Yeah, it's a it's a chill um, kind of ballad chill. thing. Yeah. Chris, do you have thoughts other than um, you know about directions to Jesse's house? <laughs> That's really all the notes I had were about how the I found the highway on the map. I got kind of lost doing that. It's in Long Island. <laughs> yeah, I meant to I meant to do that earlier. I was like, I should look and see if I can find this place that he's giving us directions to. I assumed it was his house, but then now that I know he's singing about Jesse from Brand New, it just warms my heart that yeah. they, they buried yeah. the hatchet. And then he eventually buries see, this is why I think John's a good guy. He also buries the hatchet. They get back together, taking back Sunday yeah. eventually too. He doesn't hold a grudge. He's a solid dude. I just know it. I could be totally wrong, he, but he hey, seems he, like a solid dude to me. I he, like him. He doesn't hold a grudge. He just momentarily wishes you were dead. Right. But don't we all in the moment, yeah, if, we wrote, human. if we could write a hit song in the moment of the emotion, we might say some things that we would rather not be permanent records, but yeah. uh, we get great songs out of it. So kind of like cool with it. I feel like <laughs> sounds bad to wish drama on people, but if we get good songs out we of benefit. it, I'm okay with it. And we benefit pretty greatly from it. Okay, well, I've learned now two things on this podcast tonight, so I'm pretty excited uh, about how much I'm learning. Let's go to track eight, Michelle's first track on the record, which is uh, Tool Sheds and Hot Tubs. Kyle, you first. Thoughts on uh, track eight? So I'm glad you. I'm glad you let me speak first because I may not have had the courage to say that this is this is a weird one for me. This is a freaking weird song in the middle of this record <laughs> or at the end of the re- this record. Like I am still confused by it. Um, it. Like the freaking the production choices, the the lazy claps at the beginning of this song. Like what the heck is going on? Why why would you even like hey, can someone get in this booth and act act like you're at a dance party and like you have no rhythm and you're having the least amount of fun that you possibly can. That's how I'd like you to clap to this song. Uh 
freaking weird. And okay, so even with all of oh, also like this song, it's it's weird to me that this comes out in an era even close to the Cardigans. This wouldn't be on a Cardigans D side. Like this is <laughs> this is the worst Cardigan song I've ever heard. And all of that being said, the chorus itself I really like. But yeah. what the f is everything else they've laid around it? Like this yeah. is a weird song, dude. The freaking circus, yeah, man. <laughs> it's a madhouse. <laughs> okay, yeah. Here's what's weird. I like the song, but it is out of left field for this record. <laughs> weird, dude. It is not. It doesn't match the rest of the record at all. Although I, I when I think about the song, I'm like, okay, I like the verses. I like the yeah. choruses. I just don't like the production. At I all. super. I really like the chorus on it. I really the production like it. is real bad, but like it's like they went this electronic route, dancey route, kind of. When yeah. none of the rest of the record has no. any element of that at all, and that's the weird part to me. It's like if they just would have rearranged the song, I think it would have been a better fit. But I like it. I like the song. Did you notice the like... claps? Yeah. No. I mean, I, it's a, it's a bet. Here's what the problem is. When you try to blend something that's like electronic-ish, that's basically perfect, on an album where, for the most part, you don't have that level of production quality for the other stuff, yeah, and you try to blend real claps in with like the fake ones, and I don't know, it just doesn't, it doesn't always work. It sounds like it's two things that aren't blending well together, and to me, that's kind of what's happening here. But to me, I blame it all on production and not on it's like bad production. Like I said, I think the song would even potentially fit on this record if they just would have done something different instrumentally with it, or or even or or even mixed it in a normal way. Like it's, it is a weird song. It, well, what it feels if, so weird. Or what if they did the chorus in halftime? Yep, yep. Like yep. that could be a cool like way to instead of doing the kind of clown beat in the background which is circus is fine beat. sometimes it just doesn't work <laughs> here I, I would almost rather go halftime i i would like to rearrange this song i like maybe that'll be the next fun logic music project i'll do is try to like try to re <laughs> redo this because uh, i feel like it doesn't give uh michelle a fair shake i feel like it becomes a thing where people go like oh this is weird and skip please it or keep something singing. please keep singing background yeah, but you like know? I like her voice. I yeah, like the totally. song. I I like most of the things about this, like the real bones of it. I just don't like the production. Chris, yeah, do you feel the same way? Oh yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I my only note was like I'm not sure what the point of this song is, <laughs> or the goal. No, I'm not sure what the, the goal. goal of this song was. Yeah, yeah. Goal. The goal. That's the right way to, to yeah, phrase it because it wasn't. Here? Yeah, here. what are we trying to accomplish? <laughs> and it's weird because, again, spoiler alert: we're gonna say like, what's the worst track on the album? This is not the worst song on the record, like, yeah. it but it's be. the it's the one that like, <laughs> <laughs> it's the one that like, <clears throat> sorry, uh, it's the one that um, it sticks out kind of like a sore thumb though, dude. Like it doesn't fit the aesthetic. The level of that freaking gu- lead guitar part. Uh, we really do love this record guys yeah, totally. i this is one of those situations where i just desperately hope no one from this band listens to this love you guys <laughs> but we oh, love yeah. you in case you did uh they okay the song yeah. tool sheds and hot tubs i mean it's clearly just a, a departure yeah 
Yeah, it kind of is. Why is it called that? Does it have that anywhere in the lyrics? I don't think it does. I never thought about it, that. They threw it all in there. They really did. All right, let's go to uh, track nine then, which is It's For The Best. It's a little weird for me to kind of basically pick the outro of the song, but gosh, weird. all those vocals together are so mm-hmm. cool, uh, especially because Nate basically already has the range of a female. Uh, so for him and Michelle to be singing together, I love it. I mean, I just think it's so good. Uh, Chris, what are your thoughts on it? Dude, I, I wrote down baseline time because that baseline is freaking sweet. And that, this, that outro, I, I seriously could probably watch them, if, especially if Nate was on stage with them. I could probably watch them just jam all night. It's such oh, a they could play group. this song for <laughs> yeah. 15 minutes and I'd be yeah. in the I'd whole be, time. Yeah, dude. I'm, I'm not like a, a, a Fish fan or a, a Widespread Panic fan, but I'll, I'll be a jam band fan if this, is, if this is what it's about. Yeah, I would watch them play this for forever. I don't remember if they did play this when I saw them live. Um, I don't remember. I probably wasn't. I, maybe I would have written down the set list. I, they would have had to. They had one album when I saw them. You have to play basically the whole thing uh, if you're headlining a tour. Uh, it is it is really really just so good and uh, and I assume uh, this is how Will ends up being in fun later on. So uh, maybe they knew each other before. I don't know, but uh, pretty cool. Kyle, what are your thoughts on it's for the best? Um, man it it is it is one of my favorite songs on this record. That part that you played, I completely get why. I agree with you guys. I could listen to them jam on that. It like Sean's like, hey guys, uh, I'm gonna show off here and let them know just in case they didn't know. I want to make sure they know that I can play the bass because uh, he tore that up. Uh, I my one of my favorite things about this song is the way that the um, it's like a non conventional chorus and 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 the end of the verse is is a pre chorus. You know what I mean? The like the way that the verse flows right into that. Is yeah, it never really cool. stops. No, yeah. Like, the song never really stops. Yep. It kind of just goes one piece into the next, uh, which is kind of like... Um, some of my favorite songs do that, where you can, it really is like one in yeah. like one unit, and you can't really separate verse from chorus, from bridge, from outro. Uh, and this is definitely one of those songs, and I love it. And, yep. uh, yeah, you're right, Kyle. Uh, yeah, I just... I, I really... It's such a good song, and I think that this is the other track that they clearly spent more time production-wise on. 100%. Because it sounds great. It does like, sound great. And, and it's I, magic. And the sparseness of the instrument instrumentation is is so good. You got that drum kind of stuff going the whole time, mm-hmm. and the bass line are basically carrying most of it. And for the most part, it's just that piano playing those single notes, kind of mm. driving that other that other melody, which is another thing I love when like an instrument has a melody on top of what the, the singer's got going for the melody and they complement each other it's basically dueling vocals but it's one thing's a piano and i love it it's so good i really can't find anything bad to say about this this track at all one of my faves okay let's go to track 10 now it's done 
Chris Monier, let's go to you. Track 10. What are your thoughts? I know it's lazy um, uh, when you're kind of reviewing music to just be like, oh, this sounds like another band. But one of my favorite bands from the early 2000s is a band called 238. Um, and this song kind of reminded me of them. It had kind of the vibes from a, from a 238 song, which made me really like it. Um, I really like also uh, one cool trick doing that first laid back chorus, keeping it chill, mm-hmm. bringing it big later. Um, and it, John, is John the lead guitar player? They switched. They switched around. So, she actually plays guitar. Yeah, they but would I, switch. They like she played piano. I think most of the time live, but then they would switch, and sometimes she would play guitar and he'd play piano. Um, okay. Well, whoever so they played switched the, it up. whoever played the lead guitar part on this, it's got some seventies lead guitar like solo vibes. So I, I said, hopefully it's John, so that my note Elton John Nolan, you know, works. Uh, I like it. <laughs> you know, it's interesting you bring that up the seventies thing because really, if this okay, so if this record was not on Victory, would it and and John had and John and Sean had not come from Taking Back Sunday, would anyone consider this album emo? No. I don't I mean know. lyrically I don't... maybe. But even then it's kind of yeah. a stretch because it's yeah. not uh, I just I feel like so much of what we call emo yeah. the genre that is emo was based on a label. Yep. By I label agree. I mean like the label bands were on. Yep. And right. and sort of the proof in that is that we is this band it's like Limbeck because they're on Doghouse mm-hmm. even though they're kind of like almost this alt country kind of thing you know there's all these bands that like don't really fit at all in the genre and then there's big bands that were on giant major labels and never on any like it's like why do we not consider the killers emo you know it's like that's a good point. you know yeah. it's a it's a weird thing um how that happens but like this is one of those bands that like the first line of the wikipedia page is going to be like straight run is an emo band from <laughs> long yeah. island and um and you don't think anything of it, but there's really nothing about like that song that we just listened to, or really most of this record, that to me is like, oh, that defines the genre. Taking Back Sunday absolutely did. I think regardless of what label Taking Back Sunday was on, we would have called that, oh, that's in the genre, or Dashboard Confessional. There are some bands that definitely like had that sound. But Jimmy World's even kind of one of them. It's kind of like... What I mean, what is it about like you know they're just a straight rock band in, my, in kind of my opinion. Uh, there's not a there's not a huge bit of daylight between like Tom Petty and but it's just it's an interesting thing because we talk about records on this show and it's um it's funny because we're always like can we do that record is that an emo record <laughs> I don't know it's just this one fits because it was on Victory essentially and it was John from Taking Back Sunday but. But really, it's it's more poppy, and 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 especially with her, you know, there's nothing very angsty about her or her voice or anything. It's pretty. Yeah. Anyway, that's just my tangent about why why do we call things emo and why do we not? Uh, Kyle, did we did you talk about this at all yet? I forget. We, we didn't. I mean, I feel I feel the same way you guys do. I will say, um, I think it's really weird. It when she sings background on the other songs it's just such a nice blend their harmony is such a nice it adds so much to the songs i think it is so weird that the two songs that she takes lead on john's not really singing that much and and i miss him on on the songs uh so i do uh i feel you on that but i mean also i like this song just fine i like it way better than the other one um yeah 
But I mean, s- melody wise, I like the other one better, but this yeah. one fits production wise way better. Yeah. And that's my point on tool sheds and hot tubs is like the song's not bad. It's just like needed uh, like, hey, this doesn't quite fit. It feels like a random song that we threw in here. Yeah. Um, and it, I think they could have made it work. Um, but this one works fine um, as the second to last song, which brings us to the last track, Sympathy for the Martyr. Let's go to you first. What are your thoughts on the last track, uh, "Sympathy for the Martyr"? Freaking love it, dude. I mean, you, you, it's, you, it's hard to not hit me with the bop ba da 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 das, and I'm not gonna feel it to my core. Like they just nail that. Also, I love me a song that, uh, that like you could play now, and no matter who's listening to it, they're like, "Yeah, this is about this other butthole. It's not about me." <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> like everybody's the protagonist in this story when they listen to it uh and and uh like i could see i i just the lyrics to this one are are fitting uh for you know current uh political climate i feel like everyone could get into it and point their finger at the other side so that's who do we, that's who do we think this is about do we think this is about the other dudes in taking back sunday <laughs> i mean i mean Purely I, speculating. I, I I always thought it was about Adam. That's what uh, it feels like to me. Just, just straight up. Yeah. Know, well, the, the tie the noose thing, I thought maybe it had to yeah, do with one, this. He used to do, yeah, he used to do it with the microphone, and that's yeah. exactly why I thought that. <laughs> that's a good point. Uh, I do love the line, a laundry list of problems doesn't make you interesting. <laughs> that's, that's maybe the best insult he's written in a lyric. <laughs> well, and I wrote down, never getting help doesn't make you brave. That's yep. in the, out of the same vein. So that's funny. Yeah, I, I, I do. And it's a good ending track. I mean, it, it definitely has, uh, it's like, ooh, that's raw. But uh, yeah, the badas and the kind of fade out and um, into kind of chaos at the end of the track. Uh, it's pretty cool, um, but production-wise, that v- delay on the vocal is atrocious and <laughs> shouldn't have been allowed. <laughs> it's like got way too much. Like they didn't do. It's like they didn't do a low pass or something. Like you know, normally you cut those high frequencies out so we don't hear the s's repeating over and over again in someone saying a lyric. Uh, and it's just it really bugs me at the early part of this song it's way too wet and um that's my complaint another production complaint but uh but really i'm dogging on the production but really for the most part now that i know it's the same guys that did that coheed record like bravo because it's quite a bit better than than that one was yeah but here's the here's the conundrum on that though like i told you that they said that they that they did not think that they needed much production. And so they didn't allow them to produce that much. So like, who do we blame? Who do we praise? That's a good question. (laughs) Without being able to be there and know for sure, it's kind of impossible. No, I mean, you guys know my opinion. You shouldn't self 
completely self-produce yep. anything ever. You need right. someone as a consultant to at least be able to tell you like, that's a bad idea right. uh, or it needs this, or you need yeah. to rethink that bridge or what you need someone, even if they're not there in the studio with you. I mean, like yep. that's essentially what Rick Rubin does half the time. Now he just shows up every once in a while and, and shapes the songs or whatever. Right. Um, and so it's really valuable and I don't know what role I would imagine with the budgets that most indie labels were doing, most most producers were going like, "How'd that sound to you?" And then, oh, you like moving it? on? <laughs> oh, you, yeah. And then moving on if they said because they weren't getting paid hourly, probably they were right. getting like that budget, and it was right. you got to get it done. Um, and that can be it's not a great way to do it. You really want someone that's be like, "That's not the take. Uh, do it yep. again." Uh, or, or or that's not the take. Let's go this. home tonight. You guys come back tomorrow fresh, like yeah. yeah. But but in this budget, it's like we only have the studio for one more day, so that this is yeah. the best we're gonna get. The thing is, I don't feel like it's the takes that are bad. I don't feel like any of the performances are right. bad. I agree. It's like it's sound. It's like the it's the compressor on the snare, which means you just didn't leave enough. It's really a compression compression on the entire Mi- drum set. But it's like you didn't spend enough time getting those sounds and then yeah. doing it, which is to me crazy back then because like almost everyone sat down, like got a drum sound and then used that drum sound for the entire record. Yep, totally. When you're on a low budget, that's what you do. You like get the drum sounds and you might switch out the snare between songs, but that's it. You know, you're not like, you're not setting up the drums in a different studio with a different room sound. I mean, it's like you're setting it up and running through all the drum tracks at once. Yep. Um, and so that's why, to me, it's a little bit like, ah, oh, you really should have. But maybe that was it. Maybe they had like recorded these drums demo-wise and they thought they were good enough and they didn't get a chance to re-record them. I don't know. But it does. I really like this record enough that I wish I wish it just had a little bit better production because I think it would be like, I, it's still kind of one of my favorites from this era, yeah. but it would definitely elevate it a little bit if I like loved the snare sound. Maybe that's uh, kind of rough on me. Any any other thoughts on the last track, fellas? Okay. Let's go to Lasting Impressions. Do you guys think it holds up? Whoever wants to go first? I, I do. Um, I'm just basing that on my own like gut check, which was that I was pleasantly surprised re-listening to it. I was like, oh, man. Like, like seeing an old friend, you know? That's, that's what it felt like to me. So um, uh, you guys have made some really, like, good observations about the production that part doesn't help its case but the songs the bones of the songs and the spirit of the songs that to me makes it hold up yeah kyle what are your thoughts Feel the I, same com- way? I mean i completely agree and that's the thing like i can sit here and talk about where the where the freaking lead guitar is in the mix that drives me crazy or the way that it sounds or the way that the snare sounds i could talk about that all night long and we kind of did but the truth is these guys write really good songs. They're really good at what they do. And it, it outshines those things, even though they bug the crap out of me now. Yeah. It, it outshines those things. I love this record. I think in the past we've mentioned this, the vinyl standard, you know, I don't think any of us buy a vinyl record that we don't love. I got this bad boy on vinyl. I love it. It's, it's a great record. Uh, I think it stands the test of time, but man, I do wish, I wish that, we could build a time machine and maybe change some of those things. Like we could have pulled together five grand more to just be <laughs> like, Hey, just spend a little more time on the drum sounds and some of this kind of stuff. Yeah. Cause I think like my complaints about the production aside, the songs are great. 
like I just it solidified that John was the part of Taking Back oh, Sunday yeah. that I really loved, and I think he was the real thing that was making that special. I'm not saying Taking Back Sunday was bad without him. They were fine, and they went on to be. I mean, their second record was very successful. I mean, I get um, it. It legitimizes him, though. This record does, you know, like it, it does. Yeah, and so, and I wish that we, honestly, like I'm a little bummed that we don't get a lot more from him. I mean, I we do get some stuff, but like the next Straylight record is pretty disappointing, mm-hmm. uh, in my opinion. And, spoiler. um, yeah, spoiler for the next thing, um. And I, I do feel like this ramped it up and then I just, it kind of fell off because the next trailer and record wasn't great. But um, anyway, that kind of brings to the next question. Is it their best album? I think so. But yeah. Yeah. what do you guys think? Yeah. yeah. I mean, without, without a doubt it is. Um, I think it's great. So that one's pretty easy. Uh, is it their most important album? That's also kind of silly. Cause it's really their only one that has success. Really. Their next one doesn't sell well. I don't no. think, and it doesn't do great. It doesn't really have any singles to speak of that were, you know, existentialism on prom night was a pretty big, everyone kind of heard that song and liked it. Um, Kind of launched them a little bit, but yeah, I think that basically this was kind of, it feels, I know they did make more records, but it doesn't, I've never talked to anyone that like prefers their other albums. No. I, so they, I don't did know what you happened. guys see? That they put out a uh, they put out a live record this year. Have you listened to it? I have not, but I did see that they you know they did some touring and stuff like that. So I would yes. totally go see them if they came anywhere near here. Yeah, they put out a live record in twenty twenty one. I said nice. this year, last year, right? So close enough. We're only like one week into this yeah, year, that's so true. that works for me. Okay, let's go to awards. Desert Island songs. Two or three of your favorites. Going to you first, Chris. Two or three of the favorites. I'm gonna go with three. That's fine. Perfect ending, prom night, and mistakes we knew we were making. Oh, I like it. Uh, Kyle, what about you? Uh, I got to go existentialism on prom night. I have to go with it's for the best. And I think I think. I think I go mistakes we knew we were making. Uh, I think I'm those three too. I think I'm matching okay. up with you, Kyle. I also right. had tension in the terror in there in the running, but I think that I think prom night mistakes and it's for the best are the three just like, God, they knocked it out of the park with yep. those three. Nailed it. Um, plus the production's a little better on those three too than tension and terror. Um, so I think those are my three too. I think we matched up there pretty well. Um, but really it's a great record mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. and they did a good job with it. And I, I just uh, want to, I, I, I would love them to do another one. Like, I just feel like I want more John Nolan. Yeah. Give us some more, which he does kind of some solo stuff now. And uh, she had another project after this. Um, I forget the name of it. It was a little more folky. Um, anyway, I'll put it in the show notes or whatever. Um, what about nobody's perfect? I think we're going to (laughs) know what, what Kyle's choice is. Uh, Kyle. Tool sheds, man. Is it tool sheds? Okay. Oof. Yeah. Take that that off. Is that you too, Chris? Oh yeah, totally. What is, what is happening there? (laughs) Yeah. Again, it's, I'm conflicted because I like the song and I feel like it 
the instrumentation and the production just is so out of left field that it doesn't fit very well in the album. But I like the song, so I'm torn, but I think that's got to be it because the yeah. rest of it all feels pretty cohesive. And then that's just kind of, like I said, out of left field. Yeah. Um, how about Grower Not a Shower? What's a song you didn't like at first but now love, Kyle? Or at least like more than you did. You know, maybe maybe the last track. I mean, I think I always liked it, but uh, I think, you know, we all kind of mentioned listening to it now, thinking it was about Adam, right? Uh, I don't think that I was like totally caught up in the drama of everything that was going on then. I was definitely not. And yeah. so like for us to have done three podcasts now, that kind of kind of cover some of that. Uh, like, I think, I think that that song uh, is better thinking about it being about Adam. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, that one, I'll give it, it that one. It's like our Godfather trilogy. You need to go back and listen to taking back Sunday yeah, brand right. new and this, <laughs> no, not really. Um, yeah. I think that that's uh I think that's fair. I think that last tracks are like that a lot of times for me because they are, you know, by their nature, a little weirder and kind of this final thing. And they're generally not the poppiest song on the record or the catchiest or whatever. But I think that's why they grow on you. It's like you, you start like really listening to those different layers and and the stuff that's going on. And it's like, it gets more interesting over time instead of just hitting you in in the mouth the first time you listen to it. And so, yeah, kind of a lot of my favorite, um, grower not a shower tracks are second to last or last songs on the record um so yeah i think i'd agree with you chris do you have a, a grower not a shower i mean for me now it's done i, I, I the second to last song I, I don't think it really had any effect on me when i first listened to the record but um i, I like going back to it I, I i think i really enjoyed that song all right sounds I like good. the guitar solo i just love it love it um all right well that's it for us thanks for listening again if you like what you hear consider giving us a glowing five-star review it's gonna be glowing you know just write lots of superlative adjectives uh to describe your feelings about this podcast uh you can also subscribe so that these episodes show up immediately on your devices that helps us out too and as mentioned at the top of the podcast if you go to findingemopod.com, you can sign up for our email list, or you can just hit us up with your comments, disagreements, or suggestions to our email, which is info at findingemopod.com, or you can hit us up on Twitter at findingemopod, Instagram, Facebook, all those things are all Finding Emo Pod. Um, that's it for us. We will catch you next time. <laughs>